This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. NWA committee, I said cut that tape, that interview's over, get behind the camera. I want a camera out here right now. Hey, we're, we're live. Get the camera out, oh. get behind the camera. Cut that interview. What's, we're, we're on, we're live, we're not showing the interview, what's the problem? Get the camera where it belongs. Now I've sat back there, Jim Ross, and I've sat back for a very long time. Now I've had it up that here with the politics, with the hierarchy, sitting back, wondering what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. There is a clash of champions, correct? Right, Wednesday night. Exactly. And it's Lex Luger on the Clash of Champions. No, sir, you're not? No, he is not. Would you like to see Lex Luger wrestle with the championship belt on the Clash of Champions? I am the U.S. Heavyweight Champion. If you're going to call this a Clash of Champions, TBS, NWA, I don't care who's in charge, the champions should be on that show. Now we're talking about number one contenders. What is the number one title in the NWA today? The World's Heavyweight Championship, no doubt. What is the number two title in the NWA? The second most prestigious title. Your championship's the number two title. The U.S. Heavyweight Champion has always been recognized as the second most prestigious title. And why do I sit back there in my monitor and listen to a Terry Fuck? who should not be arguing about the top 10, but only the bottom 10, who have you beat? Nobody. Nobody. And then I gotta listen to Ricky Steamboat. I had Ric Flair on the verge. I pushed him further than anybody ever has in this sport. And Ric Flair made the statement, I pushed him past the limit, because he said, oh, I will never wrestle Lex Luger again. Wrong, Ric Flair. Now, Ricky Steamboat, you were to the mountaintop. But what you did was, you slid in the back door when I was on the verge of achieving what was mine. You fall off that mountaintop, you're no longer number one. What makes you think you're going to get in the top perch? We're talking big money. We're talking prestige. We are talking about the world heavyweight title. And where is our brave champion? Our brave champion is off licking his wounds. I've seen, I have heard hide nor hair of Ric Flair. Either wrestle or give up the belt, which makes the top 10 rankings all that more important. This may become a process of elimination. I will be there Wednesday. Whether you guys want me on that show or not, I will be there, Jim Ross. And what this comes down to is this. Who is king of the hill? You know who's king of the hill. They know who's king of the hill. The fans out there know who's king of the hill. You are looking at the king of the hill, baby. Simply rabbit shame.
yourself. High five. What time is it? You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 133, and it's about the themes of Lex Luger, sponsored by HelloFresh. And today I'm joined by a first-time guest here on the show, someone who used to be part of the VW Podcast Network with the Burning Spirits Podcast. It's Drew Wardlaw. Hello, Drew. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about the total package. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's great to have you here. Um, is this actually the first time you've been back on the network since the end of Burning Spirits? I think I was on an episode of Wrestling Omakase. Uh, it would have been several years ago now. And I think that was after, maybe shortly after Burning Spirits ended. Um, but this is um, for first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot has changed since the last time you were on. Uh, that's for sure. Because uh, for those that may not know, uh, Burning Spirits was a show with you, Kevin Hare, and Brennan Patrick where you cover Japanese promotions besides New Japan and Dragon Gate, who had their own shows, you know. So All Japan, NOAA, DDT, uh, Big Japan, Freedoms, that kind of stuff. And it ended in 2018, I believe. And uh, since then, we've had, you know, Omakaze cover a lot of that stuff. And uh, now Emerald Flow Show, which mainly does All Japan and NOAA. So, uh, yeah, a lot's happened in, uh, what, four years or whatever there, Drew. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... When we were doing that, ow, my cat just bit me. Ow, sorry. Oh, Jesus. Um, when, uh, yeah, when we were doing it, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a ton of coverage of that stuff. And then, like, more and more people started covering it. And, yeah, that, it's cool. A lot of those promotions are, well, I mean, in the case of, like, Noah, it's, like, a lot bigger now than it was then, you know, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild to see just how much has changed, not just with the network here, of course, but... Uh, also with wrestling in Japan, you know, promotions have gone through so many changes over the past couple of years with the pandemic and, you know, some yeah. of them have shut down, some of them have, have changed and, you know, guys jump in places as well. So, yeah, it's it's been a real whirlwind, I think, over the past couple of years, that's for sure. Um, also, I do want to give a big thank you here at the beginning uh, to a third Andrew, Andy Labar, former guest, because when I came up with this episode, I went to him and I was like, I'm doing this Lex Luger episode. And he was like, stop right there. You need Drew. He's the biggest Lex Luger fan around. And sure enough, he showed me your conversation. And I guess your Slack photo is literally Lex Luger in the American flag pants. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd say Andy made the right call putting us together here, uh, Drew. Yes, absolutely. I think I think on various platforms, I've got Lex Luger in American flag bastard pants. I've got Lex Luger riding a go-kart. Um, there may be one of Lex Luger holding a baby as well somewhere. So uh, I am a fan. Mm. A Lex for all seasons. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we get into it here, uh, let me ask you this because it's your first time on the show. Um, how did you become a wrestling fan? How'd you get into it? Let's see. I got into wrestling. It would have been either very 
very late 1989 or very early 1990. Uh, I was at my great grandma's house in Mississippi. She was a huge wrestling fan and she was watching uh, WCW. I guess it would have been Saturday night probably. And it was, a, I remember distinctly, it was a doom squash match and it was doom when they still had the masks on. So it was these two giant jacked guys wearing black masks like beating up on jobbers. Um, and I had, I had no idea what it was, but uh, I was uh, clever enough to see that it was on TBS. So I knew that, you know, even as a youngster, I loved TV. So I knew, okay, I have TBS. So I was able to go home and find it. And then um, I've been a fan. I mean, I was like, I was, as we'll, as we'll get into, diehard WCW diehard WCW fan. Um, like I didn't watch WWF until 90, 96, 97, 98, somewhere, somewhere in between there, probably, I, I think 96 I saw. Um, but yeah, then when WCW closed, I kind of thought like, Oh, okay, that's it. Like that means, <laughs> that means I'm not a wrestling fan anymore. Um, <laughs> which, which I don't know that uh, coincided too with, being in high school and you know like the real the real true lifers are the ones that remain wrestling fans throughout high school like that's really cool um so i i did take a break during high school and college and then got back into it probably you know what actually kind of got me back into it was the, <laughs> the benoit murders oh geez um, because it was like i hadn't thought about wrestling and then heard about that and i was like whoa and kind of ended up seeing like jericho on some um news interviews and stuff and then that kind of planted the seed and then a couple years later i was talking to a friend of mine um who told me about stan hansen and how he wrestled in japan and showed me some matches to check out and then yeah so that was probably 2008 2009 then i've been uh watching ever since hmm so we've got a vicious cat in the Benoit murders. A real, real lighthearted start to the show here, folks. I'm sorry oh, about gosh. that. <laughs> yeah. I apologize to keep it lighthearted here. That, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I mean, knowing Lex's history, it won't get that much brighter going forward here. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, has music played a big part in your fandom at all? There, Drew. Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, I mean, there's certain uh well you know what it's interesting because wcw was such for all of their production they, it was all such throwaway stuff for a lot of it so it's like um you know wwf music was the central focus and it was the central that was the initial uh key that they gave you to who was who and so you know okay real american hits you know it's hulk hogan and that and that was that was so crucial to the production whereas wcw um i think really i mean they had like the wcw album that came out uh in the early 90s and where they replaced all of the other music with like the wcw slam jam songs right, yeah. And, yeah, yeah yeah slam jam um and so that that kind of made me a little more aware of the songs, but I think like NWO era, um, where Voodoo Child hits, 
right? And that that was like a big one where okay, that that's when you know. And that was maybe even my first introduction to uh, Jimi Hendrix. That might have been it, yeah. But um, like I mean, as we'll get to it, Lex with the song "Slammer," that was one. Um, that was that was one of the ones that really stood out like that that hits initially um and i think they kind of played that up production wise or maybe it just it's a more memorable song so yeah yeah i, I think i think it eventually did but um you know i'm a big music fan outside of uh outside of wrestling but um yeah it, it definitely was important to me you know yeah it's stuff like the ddp theme like the like the reverse smells like Teen Spirit ripoff that they that he would have, um, and then the Wolfpack theme, yeah. So that I think more that era was kind of when um, when the music really started to play a big part for me. Definitely, definitely. Well, like I said earlier, we are doing an episode about the themes of one Lex Luger, the total package, the narcissist, made in the USA. Uh, no big reason, just kind of picked the name at random, I guess. And um, as we said, you know, Drew, uh, you are indeed a massive Lex Luger fan. How'd you become a fan of his to begin with? And like, what makes him your guy? Well, he was he was one of the first guys that I really recognized because in 1990, when I first started watching um, Sting, January 1990, Sting got his knee injury. And so um, I didn't really see him wrestle for a pretty long time. So he was kind of out and Luger got put in his place. Like he was in the main event of WrestleMore 90, of course, against uh, Flair and then feuded with Flair for the world heavyweight title um, throughout like the first half of 1990. So he was the first top guy uh, that I saw. And so I thought he was awesome just because, you know, you're young and he's a good guy. So yo, he's cool. All right. Um, then he left in 92. So I, I liked him on and off. I was real strict. I like the baby faces. I don't like the heels. Um, so when he would turn, you know, I, I wouldn't like him, but then he would turn back and I'd like him again. So, um, you know, let's say I'm trying to think of his, his turns. He turned in, well, he was a babyface all the way through um, 91 at the Great American Bash. And so that's kind of when I stopped liking him. And then he left in 92. Um, and I just, I didn't, he went to WWF. So I didn't know about him at that point. Like, I, you know, I just, I didn't have any concept of like a wrestler going to a different promotion or anything either. So I just kind of thought he disappeared or, you know, whatever. And then. I played the WrestleMania arcade game or WWF, the arcade game, WrestleMania, the arcade game. Do you, are you familiar with that one? I, I definitely have seen it, but I never played it myself. It, it, whatever the midway one is, that's like, uh, that's like NBA jam, but, but WWF, um, but it was on that. So that's kind of when I was aware, like, Oh, okay. WWF. Cause I had heard of WWF. I just didn't watch it. Oh, he's with WWF. And then when he came back on the first Nitro, that was a big thing. Um, 
but he was kind of bad then, you know, he was, he was a bad guy, but then he turned face back in it, baby, <laughs> back in it, baby. And so I was all back in on Lex Luger, like, um, especially like 97, 97 Lex Luger is sick. He was, he was the man torture racking everybody. Awesome stuff. So yeah. Um, now I will say, I have to admit, Andrew, that like a lot of people, I did fall victim to the idea that Lex Luger was not a good wrestler. So, you know, when I, when I was older and I got back into, into wrestling, uh, sometimes you, you believe the wrong people, you know, you fall in with a bad crowd. And I, I did, I did believe that Lex Luger was not a, a good wrestler, but I started watching a lot of the old footage again and came back around on him. So, I mean, what makes him my guy? Um, I mean, he's big and jacked, first of all. Uh, I love that he's really loud in the ring. Um, I think his offense looks great. I think he's got a great uh, clothesline. Um, yeah, I, I do think there's probably a little bit of like a lot of people don't like him. So that's just going to make me like him even more. You know what I mean? Um, but it's like if you if you watch his stuff, he's awesome. And like, he's got a lot of diversity and he's got a lot of range. He can be funny. He can be a great athlete. Uh, he can be babyface, a heel. He's, he's a diverse guy and he's good. Um, yeah. And he's got a great look. Um, I don't know. He's really funny too. I like that about him. So he's, I mean, at this point he's like, I mean, really like one of my top five guys ever. Like I love him. Yeah, I'm someone who, because of when I got into wrestling, I saw none of his career. Uh, he was pretty much done when I started watching, so um, I never saw any of that stuff. And and unfortunately, you know, much like with Scott Hall, the Luger that I knew growing up was not, you know, in his prime, cool-looking guy, big star Lex Luger. It was the guy who, you know, messed up his life. It was the guy who sadly was doing drugs with Miss Elizabeth, and she OD'd and died. You know, there's that famous mugshot of him in the short blonde hair and the stubble. Like, that's the Lex I knew. And, you know, later on he would find God and get his life back together. But, yeah, not the best first impression there of Lex, I'd say, Drew. No, no. Uh, I mean, and that was that was a lot of people's impression. I mean, even we'll, we'll kind of get into it a little later. But um, the guy has always kind of had a bad reputation, uh, either backstage or in ring or whatever um you never really heard a lot of good about the guy and then that on top of his legal issues i mean that that's he's got kind of one of the darkest chapters um i mean there's that whole episode of dark side of the ring of him you know about him and elizabeth um so i mean not not and by his own admission at this point, I mean, he was, he was not in a very good place. Um, it is cool that he seems to have turned his life around and he kind of, he seems to have like a lot of self-awareness about that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as time has gone on, I have gone back and I watched a lot of, you know, the big Lex moments and, and matches from here and there. Um, but I'm still hot and cold on the guy. I will say that, 
because I think a lot of it has to do with me being an admitted, you know, work rate nerd. So apologies there, Drew, but that's, that's who I am. <laughs> so Lex was never really my, my cup of tea in that sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are moments where I'll watch him and I'll be into it. Like I'll watch him in Sting versus the Steiners, which is an awesome match. Awesome match. match. Um, or like I'll watch him body slam Yokozuna on the Intrepid, which is great. And or, or the ending of him versus Hogan on Nitro for the belt. And the crowd's going nuts. And, and Shivani's like, he's going to rack them. They're standing in Detroit. And, and Hogan taps out and he wins the belt. And the faces come in to celebrate. And it's like, yeah, Luger, let's go, baby. Come on. Because it is hard to watch that and not get excited. So, yeah. yeah, while I don't really share your deep love for Lex, uh, there are times where I do get wrapped up in it, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for for all of his faults, I mean, the guy at different points, he did have a connection with the crowd. I mean, he, he was able to get over in like kind of certain capacities. Um, and he it's uh, he had his he had his moments for sure. Um, and maybe as we go through this maybe I'll be able to convince you a little more or uh, at least maybe uh, encourage you to check out some, uh, some of his other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the challenge, I guess. Uh, (laughs) 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 Teasing, teasing, of course, teasing, but, um, but I will say this though, looking at the themes here, a fairly eclectic list of songs, you know, as we go along here, we'll see some pretty big shifts in the type of music we play. And and really, it's, it's the story of Lex's career in a way, too. I mean, I mentioned this on the previous episode with Kenta's themes and how, you know, bumpy his career was. Yeah. Lex, also a guy who had quite the up-and-down career, for sure. I mean, some of it his doing, of course, some of it not. But not a smooth line for Luger at all there, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... Uh, that that's a really good point actually about the the variation in his in his theme songs and how it, it kind of maybe kind of mirrors the ups and downs of his career um I, I will say uh i don't think there will be as much uh questionable lyrical material as, as was in your kenta episode <laughs> no 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 uh no crazy wild hip hop in this episode that's for sure <laughs> No, uh, no DMX this go around. I don't think. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that was. I, I do have to compliment you and JoJo. That was uh, a very good episode and very very funny to hear you guys commenting on uh, DMX and Walk a Flock of Flame. Yes, some uh, some fine eggshell tiptoeing there we did on our parts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... So yeah, let's get to these themes here, and we're going to cover basically all of the big, notable singles themes that Lex had in his career. Uh, A few will be mentioned in passing, uh, either because they've been played in the show a bunch of times before, like the NWO themes, um, or they were just used once, and I couldn't find a good copy of it, like the TNA theme or his WWA theme. So yeah, we'll start off here in Championship Wrestling from Florida, CWF. That's where Lex debuted in October of 85 after being trained by Hiro Matsuda. And his debut is on YouTube. And uh, it's funny, he shows up at the interview desk with Percy Pringle and Rick Rude. Not as Lex Luger, but as the Luger. L-U-G-A-R. <laughs> the, the Luger. Luger. <laughs> and they show footage of him not wrestling or beating people up, but rather he's just in the gym, looking buff, lifting weights, 
you know, no wrestling footage whatsoever there. It's all very of the time, Drew. It's very fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, that used to be on uh, the WWE Network uh, as a hidden gem RIP. Uh, yeah, it's on YouTube now. And check it out because it's a good <laughs> – I mean, it's one of those classic 80s great angles on the on the weightlifting, you know, a low angle shot of him <laughs> bench pressing or something. It's really funny. And he's wearing like big, like mirrored shades uh, at the uh, at the desk at the announce table there. Very sick. Yeah. And Percy's in the gym with him going like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. he's not Paul That's Bear right. yet, but That's he's still right. the same guy, of course. So he's he's making those Paul Bear faces you know, to a T. Uh, it's great. And um and eventually he does become Lex Luger, uh, named after the Superman villain, of course. And he actually wins the Southern Heavyweight title like a month into his career, which is nuts. And then in February of 86, he wrestles Jesse Barr at Battle of the Belts 2. That's where we get our first theme. This is by Motley Crue off the album Theater of Pain. This is Use It or Lose It. <laughs> So it's no surprise that we have a real mainstream song from the Territory Days. Uh, that was the norm back then, really. And um, what is surprising, though, and a bit of a quandary as well, is choosing this song. Because it's the 80s, and Motley Crue is a big band, of course, but this is a real deep cut. And the subject matter as well is about appreciating what you have, because it can all just go away. So it's a bit grim in that regard there, too. It's, it's an odd pick. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of a, a bit of a premonition for Luger's future, if you think about it, yes. right? Yes, that was in my notes, too. It, it's very ominously prescient, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, a weird song. Um, yeah, it's not one of the singles. It doesn't, It's. it sounds like Judas Priest, really, more than, like, the t- typical Motley Crue sound. Because what else is on that album? Like, um, Home Sweet uh, Home. Home Sweet Home. Um, Smoking in the Boys Room, those were the big hits out of this one. Yeah, so it's like that. And then there's this one, which is way more fast-paced. It's more like a speed metal track. Um, and really, it doesn't uh, It doesn't really fit. Like I don't know if you've seen the Jesse Barr match or not. It's actually it's, it's a pretty good match. Um, but it do, Luger comes out. It doesn't really fit. It's like Luger's wearing like a really tight, short, white tank top um, and a headband. And then like black trunks, and it just doesn't fit, kind of the, the vibe of uh, of what he's going for. Um, I I wonder how they decided on on this song of everything. So, um, yeah, lyric <laughs> lyrically, it's 
that's that's a dark uh dark portent right yeah lyrically it cites james dean jfk marilyn monroe who all died young of course lines like ragtime fast lane another overdose times run out on you like it doesn't really feel like a great wrestling theme just in general it's all very dour and grim and it's hard to get pumped up with lines like that you know in that kind of mood (laughs) and yeah given what we know about lex and his history uh, it does make you tug the collar in that sense too, there, Drew. That, that's yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and if you're listening to it, uh, you know, if you're in the in the arena and you're trying to get hyped up for the match, Motley Crue's just talking about you know all these famous people who've died, and you gotta you gotta take advantage of what you have before it's gone. That's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a downer in the old arena there, and the old smoky auditorium and bingo halls that they used to <laughs> wrestle in. Definitely, definitely. Well, we'll skip ahead now to Battle of the Belts 3 in September of that same year. Uh, he wrestles Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title to a 60-minute time limit draw. Again, he's like a year in, and he's going Broadway with Flair. It's incredible. Lex's theme on the show is by ACDC off of Back in Black. This is Back in Black. So we go from a pretty obscure song with Use It or Lose It to really one of the most well-known rock songs of all time. You know, the riff alone is so iconic. And I think it's a much, much better choice for Lex than the Molly Cruz song was because, you know, they are from a similar genre, of course, but this one just has so much more swagger to it. It's so much more, you know, bon vivant. And I think it, it fits Lex's larger-than-life macho masculine persona so well, Drew. Yes, and swagger, that's that's a word that I wrote down in my notes, too. Because uh, that, like, back in black... Like, that's that's got, like, a deliberate pace. It's a little slower. It's got a better groove to it. And you can imagine Lex, jacked up, big Lex, kind of <laughs> grooving down the aisleway to the ring uh, with back in black, you know? Um, yeah, so it, that's one that, that, uh, that fits him way better. I mean, like a speed metal track, like the Motley Crue song, that just doesn't, that, that's not him. Like he's a big, powerful guy. He needs a big, powerful riff to go along with it. Um, you should watch this match actually. Uh, it, it, again, Luger, he's like a year into the business. And, um, I think one of the things that, uh, it kind of helped 
frame him as like this unlikable guy. Um, he, he was pushed very hard from essentially his debut in wrestling. I mean, Jesse Barr, uh, that feud was over like the, the Florida title, like the um, Southern title, Southern heavyweight title, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's a year in. Yeah, he's challenging for, uh, you know, challenging Flair for the NWA title. Um, going Broadway with him. Um, the match is actually, it, it's pretty good. I mean, Lex is green, of course, like, and he's he's a power guy, and it's definitely like a Ric Flair, you know, one of those Ric Flair formula matches where Ric Flair's taking a backdrop, he's taking a gorilla press slam, he's getting in a bear hug, you know, he does all of that stuff. Um, but Lex kind of holds his end, of the, uh, his end of the bargain. I mean, like, he does... I watched this match uh, a few weeks ago, actually, kind of unrelated to the <laughs> unrelated to the show. Before you asked me, but um, he does like this really nice looking power slam. Um, he ends up getting a win over Flair uh, with that power slam. He like sells his leg kind of all through the first half of the match. Um, they kind of tell this really cool story of the in the third fall where. Um, Lex like keeps trying to go back to that power slam because that's what he won with, you know? And it's like, he, he's able to get that over and like, he's making good facial expressions and stuff. So it, it's, it's, you can definitely see why, I mean, especially in like a Southern territory when this is a guy that um, should be, you know, look wise, he should be in the WWF, but he's down in the territories and he's got potential like the guy it looks like he could be a big deal uh, in the near future so uh yeah i mean but again like pushed right away um so it's 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 pretty crazy he's he has a pretty interesting career when you really kind of go through it um in general are you an acdc fan uh yeah big one yeah 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 what what singer do you like better uh, I mean, it's it's so hard to pick for me because, I mean, the, the Bond Scott era, even though he died so young, he still managed to make just an amazing catalog of songs. And I love those songs and I love the Brian songs, too. I mean, it's they're on like equal footing for me. I just I, I can't pick. I, I enjoy all of it. So there you go. Yeah. 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 There. I, I don't know. I, I like them all, I guess. Each each guy brings something different. What a great rhythm section, though, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I love the idea of like Angus and, you know, Bon Scott or Brian Johnson, uh, as kind of, they're, they're the, they're the guys in the front. They're kind of going crazy. And then in the back, you've got Malcolm, you've got Phil Rudd and Cliff Williams really holding it down with just that simple rhythm, but it's dead on and they're totally in the pocket the whole time. It's so cool. I, I, I really, really love it. Great band. Yeah, for sure. And and they work well, too, as a clash with Flair's theme, because on that show, Flair did not use his normal theme, also Spraxero Thrustra, uh, which is very different than ACDC, of course, but he used Dance Champion by Sheik featuring Cool in the Gang, which is also very different than ACDC. So, you know, you have this clash of styles between Lex and Flair with the way they look and the way they wrestle, but also with their music, too, Drew. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he used, uh, he used a different song there. Um, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That, that, that's a great point. Yeah. 
Plus, uh, Lex wore black tights for the match. So, you know, good job with the synergy there, Lex. <laughs> good job there, buddy. Good job. <laughs> He's back in black. I wonder if he if he had been using uh, <laughs> wearing white tights or something and then <laughs> just changed for this match. <laughs> yeah. So in 87, Lex goes over to Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, he joins the Four Horsemen for a few months there and wins the NWA US title as well. Uh, he does use an instrumental of Far From Over by Frank Stallone at Starcade 87 against Dusty Rhodes, uh, which we played on the Jeff Hawkins Music Memories episode a little while ago. Uh, so yeah, ACDC, Frank Stallone, same difference, Drew, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Both hard rockers. For yeah, sure. exactly. No one rocks harder than Frank Stallone. You guessed it, Frank Stallone. You guessed there you it. Go. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... um. And then at the end of 87, uh, Luger leaves the Horsemen, uh, turning babyface, and he basically feuds with them throughout all of 88. Uh, Barry Windham gets involved as well, first as Lex's tag partner, and he turns on him and joins the Horsemen himself. Uh, Lex also teams with Sting for the first time here, and uh, his theme during this time period is one that never got an official release, uh, so there is crowd noise over it. Um, There's also no name, no artist, nothing. So let's just call it the untitled Lex Luger 88 theme. So we're going from mainstream bands like ACDC and Motley Crue and Frank Stallone, of course, as well, to something that is presumably either in-house or a production library. And there's not really much to say about it, I don't think. Um, Not just because there's no clear version, but there's also just not much to it in general. It's a pretty basic guitar riff and drum beat. Not much meat on the bone here, uh, Drew. No, no, this this feels like uh, almost like kind of a demo version of Overdrive, which we'll get to uh, in a minute here. Uh, real, real basic. Uh, again, this is kind of what I was talking about, like uh, with WCW. Um, I guess it was Jim Crockett for the first part of '88, and then uh, uh, WCW for the latter. But um, yeah, like it's just it's this completely throwaway song. Um, nothing memorable about it it's it's just kind of generic rock music i will say they do uh they do kind of nail that kind of slower stomping aspect of it though it's got that little bit a little bit of swagger to it and that that groove so i think it still works better than like the molly cruz song um but this was essentially used uh like for luger's face run in 88 um Again, so Andrew, let me ask you: Have you seen any of like uh, the tag team matches, him and Barry Windham versus the Horsemen from '88? Uh, I have not. No. Oh yeah. So, um, you you should watch. There's two matches. One of them is um, it's from you know a TV episode, uh, Barry Windham and Lex versus um, Arn and Tully. 
the next one is from um, it's from the first clash, first clash of the champions. Uh, they're they're both awesome. That clash of the champions match is unreal good. Um, then the uh, I think actually the 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 other match happens after that, but I mean, check them out. They're both, they're different. Um, there's a big angle in, uh, in one of them. I, I won't spoil it for you, <laughs> for you. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to spoil 35 year old wrestling for you here, Andrew, but, um, thank you. Thank no, you. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, you should watch them. Like if you're, if you're curious about Luger, um, I mean, now, again, something you will see in Lex's career is like, so he's in there. The match is him and Barry Windham against Arn and Tully. So you've got Arn, Tully, and Barry Windham. And Lex is, you know, he's he's the lesser of those three guys, uh, or of those four guys. Um, but those are also th- three of, like, the very, very best uh, ever. So <laughs> it's like, you, you'll see that with him. He's often paired with... Um, better opponents, but he, it's like you—he—he he carries his weight too. Um, so yeah, check check out those those matches. I mean, that clash match especially is like unreal good. I wrote it down and I'll check it out. Toot sweet, sir. Toot awesome. sweet. Um, or at least when this is over, like you know, I'm not gonna do it right oh, okay. away. Sure, right? sure, I mean, sure. Still to do this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that a professional. Jeez, but um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as this theme goes, you know, it's very much a sign of the times, I think, because you've got Crockett turning into WCW around this time, and the big mainstream songs and the big mainstream bands, they're going to go away. You know, no more ACDC, no more Motley Crue, no more Frank Stallone. They're going to be replaced by library songs, by in-house stuff. That's going to be the new normal, and some of them are going to be good, some of them not so good. But that's the way it's going to be from here on out, really, Drew. Right? Yeah, they can't really get away with the uh, with the uh, un- unlicensed music uh, playing it all over TV anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So Lex gets a new theme at the end of '88, and he'll have this for the remainder of his time there in WCW. So end of '88 to early '92, uh, which includes the numerous U.S. title reigns. Uh, the team with Sting, of course, and finally winning the world title as a heel in 91 and then leaving in 92. So this is from the DeWolf Music Library. It's by Christopher Blackwell, and it's called Overdrive.
so another rock instrumental here, and uh, this one, I think it's much more in line with Back in Black, those chunky, swaggery riffs. Has a ZZ Top feel to it, too, I think. A little Bob Seger as well. And it's not all that fancy. It's pretty straightforward, but I do think it's a notable improvement over the previous theme, Drew. Yes. Uh, kind of like I mentioned, the previous one sounded kind of like a bare bones, um, like a... It sounded like a demo idea of what would eventually become Overdrive. Uh, Overdrive, this is this is like a the pretty. There's two main Luger themes um, that uh, you think of when you think of WCW Luger. This is this is a classic one for sure. Um, when the when the bass kicks in on this song, that's like good call on on ZZ Top because that's like pure ZZ Top just thumping in the background. And it adds a ton to it. And again, it's it's like a mid-tempo song. It's got that swagger to it. And again, just imagine Lex's huge shoulders and his massive traps coming through that curtain, walking down and getting in the ring, ready to kick butt to, to overdrive playing. Um, real sleazy 80 guitar, 80s guitar uh, hard rock uh, lead guitar in there too, you know? Yeah, yeah, this this song's cool. This is a good song. Yeah, this just feels like a Lex theme to a T. I mean, again, like back in black, it has that that cock of the walk, look how cool I am, strutting around, showing off the guns. That that's much more of his speed, I think. And it gets that, that vibe across very well with not just how it sounds, but the pacing too. And I think as well, it feels like much more of a top guy theme, which Lex eventually became when he won the world title with this song, Drew. Yeah, 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 and it, it kind of works. Uh, I think it feels more like a heel uh, song than a yes. face song, but I, I think it works. It works as a face song too. Um, yeah, and so this period, it, th- this is essentially what you would maybe call Luger's peak, like his true peak, eighty nine uh, to the end of ninety one. Um, how so? This is like his, you know, really classic. Uh, U.S. title run in 89 where he's got matches with Barry Windham. Uh, there's a really good uh, Michael Hayes match. Obviously the Ricky Steamboat match from Great American Bash 89. Um, Brian Pillman at Halloween Havoc. Uh, just like awesome, awesome stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- this is like th- that 89 period. Have you seen much of that, uh, Andrew? Um, I may have seen a match or two. I just, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. He's, he's like, uh, Luger's pretty great. Pretty great in 89. There's a (laughs) a really cool, uh, Dick Murdoch match, um, where Luger's like really healing it up, which is really great. Um, I'm trying to think who else, Tommy Rich. There's a good Tommy Rich match. I mean, he's got like a ton of stuff. Um, and it's weird, like. Uh, I was kind of thinking about earlier today, like, um, actually, this is something I think about a lot, if, if I'm being honest, is is like, why, why does Lex Luger have such a bad reputation? Um, so I don't know, let, let me ask you, like, what, what do you think? His, why do you think his reputation is so bad? Um, I mean, speaking for me, and like the fans who are like me, I, I think a lot of the discussion is based on, okay, who is the best in-ring wrestler? Who is the best 
on a technical level, who cuts the best promos, you know, that sort of stuff. And Lex is not the kind of guy who will be looked at fondly based on that criteria with that crowd, which is a pretty big crowd, you know. So I think that's a big, big part of it. Um, And as well, I know he had some attitude issues too, which I think if you're someone who is actually in wrestling, uh, that would, you know, sour you on him a lot there too. And those stories would, you know, spread around. So um, I guess that that's my, my thinking on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's those are some good points. I think like um, I mean, one thing is like, have you ever heard Flair talk about Luger before? Um, I read Flair's book when it came out, but that was years ago, so I don't remember anything about Lex. Like Luger never has anything, or sorry, Flair never has anything good to say about uh, about Luger. Like he always kind of talks down about him. Um, and I think that was even the case back then. Like he, I think Luger like did not have a good reputation backstage. Um, like, you know, he was kind of a jerk in the locker room. And I think he was one of the first, if not the first to have like an agent. So he was able to negotiate real big contracts for himself. And I think that was um, probably, especially by like a lot of the old school guys, I think that was really looked down upon. So um, I think there was that, like, uh, if you ever read old observers, like Meltzer, uh, th- this is not a Meltzer guy. I, I think, <laughs> I think that's pretty easy to see. Right. I would guess that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's no edge. That's for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's like, Mel- like Meltzer would always talk down, uh, about him too. And it was like, I've read old, old observers and it's weird. And I've, I've, uh, kind of like realize this happens a lot of times where um, like Meltzer, he would like really talk bad about Luger, but then when he would have a good match, like kind of, Oh, but he looked pretty good here. But then like, that would just happen a lot, you know? So it's like at a certain point, like, well, the guy actually is like a good wrestler. Like maybe you just don't like his look or whatever, you know, or it's maybe, maybe it's not the kind of good that you think is good i don't know so do you know what i'm saying am i kind of rambling here yeah i hear you i hear you yeah i don't know that's just like i said that's something i think about a lot um but uh yeah yeah this this overdrive theme um like we like we talked about more of a heel theme right oh yes definitely especially in comparison to like someone like sting's themes around this time too because those are two guys who are so tied together in their careers and this song is not too different than Sting's themes like Rattlesnake Whip and Turbocharged, but it's different enough where it comes off as much more of a heel swaggery theme than Sting's, you know, pure babyface high rock and energy songs. So it forms this little divide between them. And that divide would, I think, always kind of be there in some way going forward, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, like you'll see it. I mean they're linked for like most of their careers and it ends up like when Luger returns, we'll kind of get to that later, but uh, it ends up making for some really, really cool and compelling wrestling television. Um, And yeah, like uh, there's such like an upbeat nature to those sting themes that there's just not, this is, this is much more, much more down and grooving Um, and it, it works better. I mean, and Luger too, like, there's a very specific way that he can be good as a face, which he was in, in 97, which was like, 
like a real butt kicker coming down and just racking jobbers, you know, like just get in, get out. And he's high energy and he's stoked and he's wrecking everybody. Um, other, otherwise, like he doesn't come off like as a, as a very likable uh, baby face most of the time, right? Oh, yeah. Lex doesn't have that, you know, pure of heart, pure of soul, uh, good guy energy that Sting does, no. especially Surfer Sting. He doesn't have that. He has much more of a cocky, you know, arrogant ego about him and that type of vibe. Um, that I think works much better for him and his character. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree a lot there, Drew. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's just I, I I do think Luger's charismatic, but it's just it's not that kind of charisma for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Lex drops the world title to Sting at Super Brawl Two, and uh, then he's gone from WCW. That's it. Uh, leaving not under the best of circumstances because I believe his contract was such that. He only had to do a set number of dates, and after doing all of them, uh, he basically set out the last few months, uh, despite being the world champion, which, if you're WCW, uh, not ideal, uh, especially if you're trying to build up a title match there, Drew, so... <laughs> no, not uh, not ideal at all, and they would do that, like, with a couple other guys. I think they did the same thing with, like, Rick Rude the year later, um, where he was on, like, a limited number of dates, and they would, like burn those dates out um and maybe he got an ex- uh rude got an extension or something because he, he's around more but yeah luger they just burnt his days out by like november and so he was only he only wrestled a couple matches um and then his contract with wcw it ex- it was supposed to expire in like the spring of 1993 his last match is super brawl 2 against sting in 92 you know um it's february ninety yeah. yeah and there was some kind of a loophole in his contract to where he could get out of it um and go work for the wwf or, or sorry go work for the wbf but he could only work obviously in a bodybuilding capacity like he couldn't he couldn't talk about wrestling he couldn't mention wrestling but he could be you know, on, uh, on body stars. Um, now I don't know if you've seen any of his appearances on WBF body stars or not. Uh, that is also not in my wheelhouse. I don't think so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's, he's very funny on that. That's like, that's kind of the first time we get, uh, we get a look at Lex Luger's comedic timing and, and his, uh, his sense of humor. Cause he's, he's <laughs> really good and funny in those skits. Um, He'll like uh, he'll be in the gym, and Vince and Cameo now are, are kind of going around the gym, and he'll just kind of pop up and like yell at them or something, and then uh, they'll cut to some you know uh, Doctor Pasquale uh, talking about how to uh, max your pump or something. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> not again, Luger. Like that's that's like a kind of a sleazy way to leave. I mean, he kind of got out of. Uh, out of his contract a year early. I mean, he's got like, he's not a guy that loves wrestling. Like you'll hear that from everybody. Like he sees it as a business. He's just trying to make money. Um, And, you know, he kind of has a history of burning bridges and this is like the first big one that he burns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he'll go back a few years later, of course, but uh, for now it's, it's very much a, a firm goodbye. That's for sure. So, 
Uh, before we move on here, let me just say that this episode of Music of the Mat is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get all that convenience without skimping on the quality. You can also save, on average, over $65 a month with HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So it's money smart, too. You can choose a number of meal options, including veggie, low-calorie, family-friendly, and gourmet. You can also customize your order online or in the HelloFresh app anytime you want. Uh, change your delivery day, change your food preferences, your plan size, or you can skip a week entirely whenever you want. And I know for myself, I'm someone who really enjoys that flexibility of, of going online and, and changing up my options and my plan whenever I want there. So if you want to sign up, just go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. That's the number 1616. Use the code VOW16 and get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So, yes, Lex leaves WCW and he goes right to Vince McMahon's World Bodybuilding Federation. He's going to be a big star in the WBF. And then he gets into a motorcycle accident, which puts him on the shelf. And then the WBF goes belly up. So, you know what, Drew? We never got WBF superstar Lex Luger. It just, it never came to be, unfortunately. Very sad, because I think he was supposed to do a guest pose uh, at the 92 WBF pay-per-view, which, if anybody listening has not seen the 1992 WBF pay-per-view, you really need to go out of the way, uh, out of your way, and watch it. It's some of the more insane uh, television you'll you'll ever see. Um, it's really wild. All the guys have gimmicks, and uh, they're doing these these kind of like acting routines and like stunt routines in the middle of the bodybuilding show. It's uh, it's really something to behold. Well, let's see, a Vince McMahon bodybuilding federation with gimmicks and acting. That that sounds about right, I think. So. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a guy, uh, his name's Danny Padilla, and he's he's short. And so his nickname, <laughs> this is like pure Vince, too. His nickname is the Giant Killer. And so his skit is, um, he's Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, he's Jack, and he's like prancing around in... Uh, this little like Peter Pan outfit. Yep, that's Vince. <laughs> sounds about right. Yes, yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Well, um, luckily for Lex, when the WBF closes, uh, there is another Vince company he can go to, the WWF. That's where he goes next. And he debuts at the 93 Royal Rumble with a new gimmick, the narcissist, the man who loved to look at himself in the mirror. And the theme song for The Narcissist is, of course, by Jim Johnston. It's called Narcissist.
So a new company, a new gimmick, and definitely a new type of theme. Uh, I mean, this is so obviously and wildly different than what we had before. No hard rock, no guitars at all, no swagger, no strutting around. This is classical, almost new agey orchestral music, which, you know, not much urgency to it really, but, you know, when the bulk of your entrance is just posing in front of a bunch of mirrors while Pyro's going off, urgency is not on the menu, Drew. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, like you mentioned, a very big shift uh, for him musically, but I think it really works for him. I mean, it really works for the gimmick. Um, the song itself, I'm glad you mentioned New Age, because that, that's something I wrote down in my notes, too. Uh, it, this would not feel entirely out of place on, like, a Pure Moods CD. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, this and uh, um, Enigma, you know, hey, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, that song, you know, it's a perfect fit for sure there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's kind of like it's actually a pretty like understated song like it's got kind of a an epic kind of overarching theme to it but there's kind of this really like delicate french horn melody throughout it as well um it's it's really you you've seen uh, you've seen him as the narcissist right oh yeah oh yeah i mean that's like it fits him so perfectly i mean the gimmick itself is like a perfect fit but this song uh, I mean, another home run for Jim Johnston. Oh yeah, it's great because, you know, there have been like hundreds of vain gimmicks over the years in wrestling. It's it's one of the most common character types for sure. Um, and a lot of those themes do tend to lean into, oh, I'm sexy, I'm suave, I'm a ladies man. But this seems to lean so heavily into like godliness. Like, I'm so good looking, it elevates me above mortal men into a higher state of being. And considering the original name of the gimmick was literally Narcissus from the mythology, like those classical elevated overtones, they work pretty well here, Drew. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bobby Heenan, I know at one point he introduces him as Narcissus. And so, yeah, you, it's way different than like, um, I don't know. I, I, off the top of my, who, who's another one? Like, like the, what's the ECW guy, Jason? The oh, Jason, the sexiest the man in the world, or whatever. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like it's so different from that, right? I mean, it's the same gimmick, just an entirely different take on it. Um, and kind of, yeah, kind of. It's like a, that's an interesting uh, direction that they went. But you know, Luger's like he's so jacked and tall and blonde and. You know, he really does look like an Adonis or something. So, yeah, to have this like ancient, <laughs> like ancient Roman kind of god uh, twist on it, yeah, it's, that's pretty funny. Right, right, and, and the entrance too. I mean, he didn't just come out and do the pose; he would do the pose in front of like a full-length mirror. You know, <laughs> so it's like it, it's not enough that he comes out and is like, "Oh, look at me!" Like, no, he's so vain and so good-looking that he needs to do it in front of the mirror. Like, he, he can't help it, Drew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just can't help it. So he must bring with him, wherever he goes, a full-length mirror just just to look at himself. Um, man, how, how fortunate, too, that uh, he uh, debuted right before WrestleMania nine. Oh, right, right. The, uh, the Roman motif. Yeah. Um, I mean... Narcissus is Greek and not Roman mythology, but, uh, you know, hey, look, <laughs> tomato, tomato, I guess. It's fine. So, 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I I wish I wish he would have uh, I wish he would have gone further. You know, I wish they wouldn't have done the the face turn. Like I I think he could have really gone somewhere with the with Narcissus or the narcissist gimmick. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, I mean, again, what, what could have been? What could have been? But um, as fate would have it, Hulk Hogan is leaving the company. And the WWF needs a new All-American hero. So on July 4th, 1993, the evil <clears throat> foreigner, Yokozuna, is hosting a body slam challenge, the Stars and Stripes Challenge on the deck of the USS Intrepid, and many Americans try to body slam this massive man. Randy Savage tries, he fails. Crush tries, he fails. The Steiners, Bob Backlund, a few pro athletes as well, they all fail to lift this behemoth of a man. But then, who shows up on a helicopter but Lex Luger, who slams the big evil foreigner and saves the day for America, and a new American hero is born right then and there, made in the USA, 
Lex Luger, who gets his own special bus, the Lex Express, to tour America. And a new theme song as well. This is originally composed by John Philip Sousa in 1896, but this version is done by Arthur Feeler and the Boston Pops Orchestra. This is The Stars and Stripes Forever. So we had that pretty massive shift from Overdrive to the Narcissist. Well, here we go again, because now we've got this super patriotic American music, a song that I think every American has heard at least once in their life. And, you know, going from this, you know, light, heavenly orchestral music to the sheer bombastic pomp and circumstance of this is yet another sharp turn. But look, when you're... All-American, made in the USA, Lex Luger, where literally everything about you is America, then it's it's part of the chorus, Drew. Oh, yeah, to be expected, right? I mean, <laughs> this is the worst song. And, te- like, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan could kind of make it work, but this is supposed to be, like, your, your new Hogan, your new top guy. You're going from real American to stars and stripes forever. It's like, like, no, no wonder, uh, no wonder this didn't work for Luger. This is, <laughs> it's, it's almost sounds like a joke song, you know? Well, it is very on the nose. I, I know that, but, but I mean, the whole gimmick is so on the nose. Like he's yeah. already got the American flag trunks, the American flag pants, the American flag itself, the Lex Express, like, that's what they're going for here. They're going for the ultimate American hero, the next stage of the Hulk Hogan archetype, really. So it's only natural, then, that they would go with not just any old patriotic-sounding music, but literally the official march of the United States. Like, you can't get any more American than this outside of, like, the national anthem, really, Drew. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, this was... This is like, I mean, this is one of the famous, I mean, everybody, I, I, and I do think this is another reason why, uh, why Lex has such like a bad reputation is such, this is such a huge flop on every level, right? Uh, well, considering how things go at SummerSlam, then, uh, yeah, this wasn't, uh, (laughs) this wasn't the optimal run for Lex, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no way. And... (laughs) Like Luger, Luger, like we talked about, has to be if he's going to be a babyface, it's a very specific kind, and the all-American, um, like, you know, handshaking, um, uh, tossing babies in the air, uh, that, like, 
that's not that's not a good look for Lex Luger. Like he he does not pull that off well at all. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, look at the big rival, Yokozuna. This uh, you know, quote unquote, Japanese bad guy with <laughs> the evil, mystical, spooky Asian music with the flutes. Ooh, it's so scary. How do you counteract that? You get America the song. You get a <laughs> red, white, and blue marching band with fireworks and apple pie. Like the whole thing is again so over the top pro wrestling. Anyway, it's not like it's necessarily out of place, you know, in this context here, Drew. No, it's not. He was. He just wasn't the guy to do it. Um, I think you like Mr. Perfect even would have been a better choice. Like Lex just was not the. He was. He wasn't the guy to to get this over. That's for sure. Mm. Well, I actually do have some fun trivia about this song uh, because WWE used it again many years later to commemorate a certain moment in American history. Uh, Drew, do you know what that moment was? Uh, Was it 9-11? No, but you're pretty close because it was May 1st, 2011. John Cena tells the live crowd at Extreme Rules after the show is over that Osama bin Laden was compromised to a permanent end. It was the death of bin Laden, and they played that music after Cena told the crowd there what happened. Whoa. They they played... (laughs) They played Stars and Stripes forever? Yep. Wow. (laughs) That's that's crazy. All right. (laughs) All right. Yeah, well, um, we should as well, I think, bring up the music video they did for the Lex Express Tour, I'll Be Your Hero. Yes. Because it's so good. It, it's the most, again, on-the-nose, heartland rock song. I'll be your hero. And the video is, you know, Lex on the bus, touring America, meeting the kids, waving the flag, and there's overlays of, like, Iwo Jima and the Statue <laughs> of Liberty and soldiers. Like, it's America, the music video. Like, it's on YouTube, and it's just – it's amazing, Drew. Uh, the Iwo Jima statue, that's the part that really that, – <laughs> it's, like, it's like that followed by, like, the Lincoln Memorial. It's the, that – the Iwo Jima uh, statue really puts the whole thing over the top. Um I mean, you can see, like, if you look in Lex's eyes, there's always, like, a slight look of, like, uh, disgust and resentment when he's, like, holding these children and stuff. It's (laughs) like, (laughs) um, and then it'll show him posing in front of uh, famous U.S. landmarks and stuff. Um, Now, I I don't imagine, Andrew, you have ever watched the three-and-a-half-hour unedited Lex Express footage that they put on the network? Uh, again, I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I have. And it consists mostly of uh, it's like them setting up shots with people and like setting up Lex standing on the Lex Express in front of um, the uh, you know Mount Rushmore. And then it's a lot of him uh, at buffets complaining that uh, they don't have high quality food for him. Yeah. Knowing what I know about Lex and how much he enjoyed that bus tour, which, uh, you know, wasn't a lot. Let's say that uh, it's, you know, it's no big surprise there. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll just be the long shots of him just sitting 
kind of staring blankly on the bus, um, wearing those American flag bastard pants that he loves so much. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's pretty, again, three and a half hours. That's a big ask, but, uh, it's, it's take my word for it. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I mean, it is pretty amazing to look back on just this, you know, massive and sudden elevation, this whole big pizzazz and big to do and the hype and he's body slamming Yokozuna. He's the next American hero. He's touring the country and then he doesn't win the belt at SummerSlam. And even worse, he wins the match by countout and then he celebrates with the balloons and the flag. And it's like, buddy, you didn't win the belt. Why are you celebrating? Like, he looks like a total goober. And I'm sure if you're watching it in real time and following this whole Lex Express tour in real time, you would have expected him to win the belt, but he didn't, Drew. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that, you know, I, I've gone back and watched that now. That wasn't something I saw at the time. I, I can't imagine what anyone would think other than just confusion and, and like, disappointment by that. I mean, I don't know. I, I get... I get the idea that like, okay, the Lex Express isn't working. Like he's not really getting over so he can win by count out. And uh, that's a little bit of a bummer, but you know, that's fine. That just buys you more time, but why celebrate with the balloons and everything like you did win the title when you didn't, I I don't know. I've never heard anybody really talk about that. Like the, the, uh, the logistics behind that or like the logic behind that. I think I heard a story once, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, that Lex was drunk in a bar and he told people he was going to win the belt, which soured Vince. Um, again, that may be a rumor, I don't know, but I heard that somewhere. But uh, I mean, like, in any event, like he never really gets close to being like the guy again. Like he's still pushed and he does co-win the Rumble with Brett in 94 and all that. But summer of 93, like that was his time. And then it passed, and along came 94, and Bret Hart is the one to win the belt from Yoko at Media 10, and the rest is history, Drew. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of, like, uh, they kind of limp along with his push, and, like, he's in, kind technically, he's in the main event of, of Mania 10, um, but he loses, and then Bret, yeah, beats Yokozuna, and then, I mean, that's, that's it, like, but again... You know, he co-wins the Rumble, so they're not really, like, they're kind of pushing him, but not really. It's it's just, the whole thing is just really weird. Um, you know, if, if you're going to try to push him, just push him. Uh, otherwise, you know, don't. Like, if you see it's not working, then just put a stop to the push. I, I don't know. I, it, it's odd. The whole thing is really, really strange. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of WrestleMania 10, uh, Lex debuts a new theme there, and I'll have that song for the rest of his WWF run. So that's the Tatanka feud, uh, the Allied Powers team, and that's about it, really. Like I said, a bit of a downturn there for Lex. This one again by Jim Johnston, and it's called Made in the USA.
So it's funny, even though this is the same gimmick, it's another notable shift here. Because, you know, when I think of uber-patriotic American red, white, and blue music, I don't think of this. I don't think of, like, this atmospheric synth music with that 90s Jim Johnston guitar sound. Like, it doesn't feel right for the gimmick, and it feels so minimal compared to the sheer bombast of the previous song, Drew. Yeah, that that is for sure. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, of like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It it sounds like there was a similar song on one of the soundtracks <laughs> for the movies. Um, it, the song itself is pretty cool, and I think it kind of works for Lex, but it doesn't make any sense with the gimmick. Um, I, I don't I don't know I, I don't understand it. Um, Again, like the the synth line and stuff, it's it's a pretty cool song, but not for Made in America Lex Luger. Yeah, it sounds closer to like the first Rocky Maivia theme, Destiny, to me. Um, but again, it doesn't scream like next American hero, next Hulk Hogan or whatever. And I think the fact that they've moved on from that whole big push and that whole big to do, and now it's about Bret Hart, and eventually it's going to be about Diesel and Shawn Michaels and those guys. I think that kind of lines up with this new music where, you know, Lex is not as important as he once was, Drew. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's a really clear signifier that, okay, like, we, we tried this and it didn't work, so you're moving on. I mean, and that that's that whole WWF thing. Uh, you get a push and then you're kind of cycled down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Um, now, they, they did do a version of this with USA chants at the beginning. To try to, I guess, you know, Americanize it up in a way. But um, I don't think it works, really, because, again, the rest of the song is just so, you know, starkly unpatriotic sounding that it just it can't overcome it, I don't think. Yeah, it, it sounds that version. It sounds even even more minimal, um, like they maybe um, they like pitch shifted it down uh, a couple keys or something. It's it sounds like down tuned and kind of even even less like triumphant and patriotic really um despite having the chance in there yeah and uh later on when lex formed the allied powers team with british bulldog they made a mashup theme with this and rule britannia It's actually a pretty good mashup theme. Like, the two songs blend together pretty well without sounding all that awkward. Um, they did do some futzing around 
with the tempo of Rupert Tania to make it work, I think, but it still sounds better than a lot of other mashup themes I've heard over the years, Drew. Yeah, I like it. It's cool. They do... It's just a pretty straight four bars of uh, of the, the Davy Boy theme, four bars of the Luger theme, back and forth, but it the way they... You know, they end it, they end the four bars and start the next four bars perfectly. And it, it's cool. It's a cool mashup. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. This is good. And hearing it um, when they come out, uh, it, it works. It works for the team. That's actually, that's a cool tag team. Uh, I mean, British Bulldog and Lex Luger as like the allied powers, you know, I, I, the good name. I, th- I think that's a cool team. Yeah, a it's power a power team. Exactly, yeah. It's a pretty good power team. Uh, similar builds as well. So, yeah, on paper, it's, uh, you know, a pretty good combo there. Um, and you would think, like, they could have had a nice run with the tag belts there at some point during the year, but uh, it just never happened. Again, what could have been there, Drew? What could have been? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, imagine them having, like, a, a good tag run with the belts. I, that would have been a cool team, and especially... 95 WWF, there wasn't like a ton going on, especially in the tag team division. Uh, they could have had a lot of cool matchups. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to use them as like top of the card single stars all that much, you know, go the tag route with them. You use them in that way. But um, again, didn't work out. And in September of 95, Lex Luger actually makes his shocking re-debut in WCW on the first episode of Nitro in the Mall of America. His contract was up with Vince, and he just left and went back to WCW. So, long before Scott Hall made his surprise debut on Nitro, Lex Luger pioneering the Monday Night Wars jump, Drew. Yeah, totally. And I, when I watched the first Nitro, uh, when it aired, I, Lex Luger showed up, and I knew it was Lex Luger, and that was a big deal. I didn't really grasp how big of a deal it was that he switched you know, that he jumped from WWF to WCW. Um, but I mean, that was, you know, and you'll hear like Eric Bischoff talk about it, that, you know, that was a really, really important moment. Um, and it really kind of set the stage for this idea that on nitro, it was live and anything could happen. Um, so, I mean, you're definitely right. That is a precursor to Scott Hall uh, coming down through the crowd. Um, and it, yeah, it, it really kind of set the tempo for the show um, and really helped get the show off on the right foot. And, and I mean, man, uh, like Lex Luger, I mean, it, go back. If anybody hasn't gone back and watched like the first six months, I mean, basically the debut of Nitro through um, the NWO showing up, Lex Luger is the most compelling, interesting part of WCW and especially of Nitro. Like he's got this great uh, kind of relationship with Sting where, <laughs> again, you get to see his his sense of humor where he's a face around Sting, but he's a heel yep. As soon as Sting turns his turns his head, so you know they <laughs> like the uh, he'll he's um, he's like TV champ at one time at, at one point. So he like walks out with the belt and uh, he'll look all happy, and then Sting will turn around and he'll throw the belt down really hard and flex, 
like as the pyro goes off or they'll be walking down the ring and he's smiling and he's uh, high fiving the fans and then Sting turns away and and Lex instantly stops and just <laughs> walks and like motions for like the fans to get away from him. Um, it, it's like it's this great great character work. Like I, I mean that period. Uh, I mean really like eighty seven through ninety one, but like the real peak, you know, eighty nine to ninety one. Uh, he's he's got he's a great worker. I mean, Luger is like a great worker in that time period. Uh, I mean, he's like carrying guys in 91. He's like carrying Dan Spivey to an awesome match in 91, you know, like he's, he's a good wrestler. 95, 96, he really develops the character side of things. And there's, there's not a ton of good matches. Although I will say he's got a really cool run on Saturday night uh, as the TV champ. Like he wrestles like Johnny B bad and, Eddie Guerrero and these really cool, interesting little matches. Um, but man, his character work is so good. And, and he's like, he's the most interesting part of the, of the entire show. Um, it's, it's so, so awesome. Like you, you have you seen some of that stuff? I've definitely seen some of it and it is so much fun because, you know, it's not just the fact that Lex is a heel pretending to be a face with Sting, you know, like, He's also going up against Hogan, and he aligns himself with the Dungeon of Doom, who are, like, the ultimate bad guys at the time. So it's like, you know, Sting is still friends with this dude who is, like, just total evil at this point, and he's still like, no, you're my friend. It's okay. Like, we're, we're partners. So, you know, it's it's very entertaining, and, and Lex pulls it off very well. Yeah, yeah, very entertaining. And, and it, like, it plays off of Sting and Luger's past relationship, Um I mean, one thing I didn't mention, the Wrestle War 90 match between uh, Lex Luger and Ric Flair, that's, I mean, first of all, that's probably Lex's best match. I mean, he's like, that. that's an incredible match. But the finish is the Four Horsemen are um, attacking Sting, and Sting is on crutches. He hurt his, uh, his knee, and Lex has a chance to win the match, but he ditches the match in order to save his friend. And so that sets up this entire relationship between them where Sting trusts him implicitly. And they play off of that in that 95-96 era. And then really all the way until uh, until the fall of 96 when, you know, Sting, uh, he thinks that, um, you know, uh, there's that, uh, you know, they think that Sting's joined the NWO and, you know, there's all that confusion and everything that leaves, uh, leads to Sting you know, becoming crow sting. So it's really like so much depth to that character. And there's so much like interwoven storylines and stuff that you really don't see in wrestling very often. It's like, it's very deep and nuanced. It's, it's, it's actually pretty incredible that, um, you know, you, you kind of think, I mean, Lex was never really a good promo and he's always kind of a stiff of, guy personality wise but you see him opening up here and developing like this really really complex awesome character Mm -hmm. and uh, Lex gets a new theme as well which he'll have for a few years Uh, this is from the non-stop music library it's by Derek Todd Sorensen and it's called Slammer
so we're back in WCW, uh, back to rocking out here, but uh, even so, this is still somewhat of a departure again, because most of his previous songs don't have this kind of manic energy that this one does. There's a frantic pace to it, the big shredding guitar solos, like it's, it's a really fun, adrenaline-pumping song that we never really got with this WWF run, or Overdrive, or the 88 theme. So... Um, yeah, it's very different in that sense. And as well, I think, you know, of the various Lex themes, this is probably the one that I associated him with the most, Drew. Yeah, I, I would say this is the one that is synonymous with Lex Luger. Uh, and this is like, if you hear this song, you instantly think Lex Luger. Um, yeah, and it's it's crazy because we've been talking about how, you know, Lex is a big guy. He has songs, he works best with like, these kind of slower, swaggery, kind of stomping riffs. But this is totally different. It's up-tempo. It's raging. It starts out with that drum fill into the lead guitar and into that riff. I mean, it's totally different, but it really works for him. Um, And you think, like, you can picture him coming down the ramp and slapping pans with the fans, you know? Like, it, it just, it works. It's great. And this, like... As a song, this has got like that that tempo change. You know, there's that like dive bomb guitar when it slows down before it goes into that solo. You know, so there's like some dynamics here. Um, and this, I mean, especially when you're talking about like that '97 run of his leading up to him winning the championship. He's every week he's just racking everybody. And so it, it really works well for that, where he's just coming down, he's amped up, he's stoked, he gets in the ring, and he's putting your know, roadblock bo- in, in the rack, and the crowd's going nuts. You know, everyone's behind him doing the, the, doing the torture rack motion. It's, yep. it's like, yeah. Pumping the arms up. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, unlike you know Overdrive, this does have much more of a babyface tone to it. Because Overdrive has that cocky swagger, it has that it has that more feelish tone to it, whereas this one has more of your typical, come on, let's go, fiery good guy energy, which again is interesting because for those first number of months, Lex was a heel pretending to be a face with Sting. So it plays into this like weird dynamic where he's a bad guy pretending to be a good guy at times, so it works as a song for this like fake part of him but not for the real part of him then he becomes a full good guy and it does work well for the real part of him so yeah it's not just a standard rock instrumental here there's much more at play if you know the story going on drew yeah yeah totally um uh, so a little little trivia question um this uh, there's two i've heard this two other places in wrestling this song um it's on the WWF Superstars line around this time, like in 1996. Uh, they would show ads for the Superstar line, and they'd play this song. Um, and it's on – it's the seventh anniversary uh, FMW show, the 5596 FMW show. It's on the commercial tape. Um, one of the – I think like uh, one of the horror movie wrestlers – I think it's Jason the Terrible or maybe Leatherface. Somebody uses this theme song uh, on that FMW tape. 
All right. The more you know, I didn't realize that. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is crazy though, that it's on, you could hear this song on WWF Monday night raw and WCW Monday nitro essentially the same week. Well, it is a library song. You know, it's not like this was an in-house composition written specifically for Lex Luger for this <laughs> right. company. No, it's a song that, you know, theoretically anyone can get if they buy the rights to it. So there you go. Yeah, very true. And uh, Lex would actually use a remake of this song in TNA uh, when he went there in 2003 for a, a match, I believe. Uh, one of his last matches, actually, in his career. Um, so, yeah, this song managed to get a legacy beyond WCW there. Uh, with that, you know, TNA remake. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've never seen him in TNA before. I imagine it's very, it's very bad. Yeah, I haven't seen the match itself, but um, I do know they used him not long after the death of Miss Elizabeth and his arrest, which you know was very controversial at the time for obvious reasons. Uh, so yeah, it was you know not the best of times, that's for sure. That that's like like pure sadness. Yeah, and from the photos I've seen, he still looked, like, very jacked uh, at that time period, which, you know, knowing what we know now and, and thinking about, yeah. like, what he probably did to himself to still look that, you know, jacked up, I mean, it's it, it's pretty sad. You're right. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, getting back to WCW here, uh, in 98, Lex ends his war with the NWO and joins the Wolfpack. So he now has the Wolfpack theme, of course, and... Uh, I said this on the Sting episode way back when, but it's always so weird to me that you had these guys who fought the NWO forever, literally since day one, and then it's like, yeah, I'm in the NWO now. I'm in the, I'm in the Wolfpack. Like, it's so odd that these guys would just join up with an NWO group, Drew. I was so furious when that happened. Because, <laughs> like, I, I was, I was like... I wasn't I wasn't cool when I when I was I'm still not cool but um, I, I've never been cool so I was never an NWO guy I was always WCW for life you know um, so like even though they were kind of good guys I was thinking like no no like all all the all my all my favorites they're they're <laughs> joining the NWO like what's happening and it was also um, it seemed so, like such a casual decision like oh yeah okay I'll join. And it's like, like none of the turns, you know, were really like dramatic or meaningful. It was just kind of, yeah, okay, well, I'll do this now. Um, very disappointing uh, when that happened. So it was like all my favorites were, were going away. Because Flair, like, you know, Flair had gone in 98 for a while. And yeah, that's when things were really, uh, really going off the rails in WCW. Mm-hmm. Well, at least Lex didn't have to paint his face red like Tomato Sting. At least there's that. That is a plus, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, we'll skip ahead now to September of 99. Uh, Lex had been away due to injury. And then soon after he came back, he announces that Lex Luger is dead. And he was going to be reborn just as the Total Package. No more Luger name, just the Total Package. And they had these vignettes of a mysterious woman dressed in black at a wake, and Luger's ghostly form at her side. And then they did this big reveal live that it's Miss Elizabeth, and she's his new valet, and Lex does this big pose in the ring, and they play a new theme song, the last one of the episode here. It's by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm, and it's simply called The Total Package.
It's funny, listening to this, it sounds so much like a darker, more serious version of the Narcissus theme. It has that same sense of, of grand, cinematic majesty to it, but without that lightness, without those like heavenly overtones, it's more militaristic, more doom and gloom, more foreboding, um, pretty Terminator-esque, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Um, so if like the Narcissus theme was the saint version, so to speak, this one, more of the sinner version, I'd say, Drew. Yeah, I had the same thing in my notes that it was... Uh... It was like kind of a Y2K version of uh, of the narcissist thing. Um, it's like a little more uh, like industrial sounding kind of. It's that, that's that's a cool reference that you said, kind of Terminator esque, because it's yeah, it sounds kind of kind of sci-fi, like a dystopian sci-fi theme. Uh, and I mean, the total package gimmick was kind of it was like a, a more I mean, it was actually a, a pretty. He was he was pretty funny in that, but yeah, that kind of felt like a an edgier version of um, of the narcissist as well. Like he'd do the entrance like with the spotlight on him, you know. Yeah, yeah, the entrance is amazing because again, it's not like the bright, shiny WWF intro with the pyro and the mirrors and all that. No, the arena is dark. The spotlights are all on Lex. Uh, the first entrance he does with the gimmick, it's on YouTube. He's in the Terminator pose, the kneeling pose, oh, wow. and he stands up and flexes. So the gimmick <laughs> is kind of like the same, you know, the same vein of the "look at my amazing body" kind of guy. It's just being done with a greater sense of intimidation and I think darkness as well, Drew. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's it is it's definitely darker. And man, it, that's a little bit. I mean, again, kind of in hindsight, like like Lex Luger is dead and like his ghost is standing over Elizabeth and Elizabeth is at a wake. It's, it's just kind of, kind of grim, right? <laughs> Again, knowing what we know now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but let's uh, not dwell on that. No, 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 no. Let's be happy. Let's be happy with this, uh, very uplifting theme song here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But again, you know, to the point of the whole narcissist connection, he's not Lex Luger anymore. He's now the total package. Yeah, good point. His name is no longer important. What's important is look at him, you know, stare at this man in awe and fear because he is the ideal male form. He is the ultimate, you know, body. So again, it's WCW taking that, you know, narcissist idea and putting their own spin on it. Yeah, that that's I, I didn't even I didn't even think about how uh yeah he gave up his name Lex Luger. Um and just yeah, yeah. That that's a totally uh that's a good call. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um yeah, the run the run wasn't uh wasn't great. Um I think the narcissist gimmick, you know, had a lot of legs, but total package, I think I think at this point there's just so much going on with him and with WCW that um it was going to be hard to get to get much out of him, but um, yeah, that's that at like the total package as like the darker boy. It kind of mirrors like where he was going in his life too, doesn't it? Like he's just kind of on this dark path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but what's funny is that we played the first version. There is a second version he used that is you know, mostly the same, I think, but it has this piano added to it. 
makes it sound a bit like Chariots of Fire. Like, it gives it much more of an inspirational and hopeful tone, which, you yeah. know, again, not very conducive to this, you know, darker character, really. But it does, I think, harken back just a little bit to that brighter narcissist theme, Drew. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> Chariots of Fire, that's a good That's a good reference. Uh, who, who wrote this one? Uh, this is a Jimmy Hart-Howard Helm joint. Oh, all right. <laughs> Jimmy Hart, all right. Um yeah, I was I I was hoping we'd have a Jimmy Hart one on here. That, that's cool. So uh, Lex stays with WCW until the very end, March 01. Uh, of course, he had the totally buffed tag team at the end there with uh, Buff Bagwell. And uh, after that, Lex is pretty much done. Uh, he doesn't go to the WWF. Uh, instead, he kind of takes a year off. Uh, he does that European tour with WWA in 02. Had that match in TNA in 03, and a few more indie matches after that over the next couple of years. And then he has the spinal stroke in 07, and he's done. That's it. His career is over. Um, I know he's paralyzed for a while, and he does manage to walk again, thankfully. But uh, I know right now he's back in the wheelchair, I think full-time. And it's, it's a real sad ending to a career, especially a guy like, you know, Lex Luger. This wasn't some just jamoke off the street. No, this is Lex Luger. This guy was built like a god, and he was a big deal for, you know, many years. But personal issues and physical issues, they just, they took their toll on him, Drew. Yeah, I mean, you know, far be it from me to say anything bad about steroids, but, uh, I mean, you see what he looks like now, and it's like, geez, it's, it's pretty crazy. And just a lot of years of, I mean, he, he had, you know, he started what 90 or 85, 85 I mean, that's a 20 yeah. year career. Yeah. Um, of going, you know, close to a 20 year career going really hard, um, not taking care of himself, um, doing a lot of putting a lot of things in his body that, um, that were very harmful. Um, yeah, just, he, he, he's, kind of a sad cautionary tale um i don't think he ever really fulfilled his true potential um like we talked about i mean the guy was pushed immediately and was kind of pegged as like this is gonna be one of the guys um and he was in his own way but i i just i don't think he ever quite met his potential even though you know, I love him. He's one of my all-time favorites, and there's there's like tons of good Lex Luger stuff if you go back and watch. Um, just uh, he kind of seemed to not be able to get out of his own way, and he kind of burned some bridges. Um, it, by all accounts, he's really turned his life around. Um, I think he's you know he he's religious now. Um, and by all accounts, he's like doing really well. He's really kind of owned his past behaviors and really tried hard to uh, to kind of move on from those and kind of like learn from those things. And I read an interview with him. He's back in Buffalo, um, New York, and I think he like uh, takes care of his mom now. Um, so, I mean, good good for him. Like you know. Um, a real sad career and, and a lot of sadness around him. But, um, you know, if, if you're someone that can move on from that and learn and, um, kind of change yourself and that that's, that's admirable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, to see him nowadays where he's pretty gaunt and in the wheelchair, it's it's sad. And it's a very shocking image compared to, you know, what he looked like in the prime of his life and, you know, in his heyday. But it's the reality of life, you know. And, and again, as you said, he was able to get control of things and, and find God and be in a much happier place. And um, I know he was at WrestleCon this year uh, taking photos and looking happy and smiling and all that. So... He was able to, I think, get a redemption that he was never able to get in his career, but he was still able to find it in his life somewhat, which is nice to see, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've uh, I have, I have been seeing him like post on Twitter and stuff that he's been going to a lot more of the conventions, and I, and I think like, um, I think, I think the overall general opinion on Luger has has been shifting over the past few years like I, I think um, people are slowly becoming more and more positive about him and and I think probably the more people that are going back and watching uh, his his wrestling career um, I think they're they're kind of changing the the way that maybe that they used to feel about him which is good yeah yeah including me perhaps who knows I oh, I may become who knows? the ultimate Luger fan after this Drew who knows oh I hope so. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, well, from your lips to God's ears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and Drew, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you were indeed the right man for the job because we went over 90 minutes on Lex Luger, and it's because of you, my friend. You were just a fountain of Lex Luger information and fandom and love, and this was just a ton of fun, so thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for asking me. Um, yeah, Andy uh, messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you know, Andrew wanted me to do like he's like you said. Andy asked me to do the Lex Luger episode, but I, I told him that you had to do it. So DM him. So um, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for letting me <laughs> come on here and talk. Um, I don't think you and I have ever done a, a podcast before, so it, it was cool talking to you. Thank you very much. Oh, it was a blast. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, let's see. I, I'm on Twitter at underscore uh, Burning Spirits. Um, since it's a music podcast, I'll give a quick musical plug. Um, uh, I, I am doing, uh, I am playing in a band right now uh, with some friends from around the country. Uh, it's called Solemn Lament. Uh, you can find some music by a tape or a shirt at Solemn Lament. Uh, I think it's Solemn Lament Music dot bandcamp.com um uh keep an eye out next fall this coming fall uh on savart records we have a a 12 inch ep coming out um it'll be on vinyl and cd so keep an eye out for that i just checked it's solemnlament.bandcamp.com oh there you go (laughs) okay Um, i don't mean to show you up there i'm just you know (laughs) want to make sure your plugs are good there so (laughs) I, i don't even i don't even know what the own website uh my own band's website. So there you go. Thanks, Andrew. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And uh, Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, one more time, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use the code VOW16 and get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Drew, thank you again, and I'll see you around. All right. See you, Andrew. Take care. All right. For Drew Wardlaw, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. You always were there, always beside me. Holding my hand every step of the way Through these eyes you could do no wrong In these eyes you were brave and strong In my heart those days live on You were my hero Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.